Welcome to Make It a Great Day, the Make It a Great Day movement, making suicide a thing of the past. I'm Jackie Simmons, I'm your host, and I'm the presenter for this section of the Make It a Great Day movement. We are going to be talking about how to start conversations that truly matter. And I'm super excited to be here with you. The Make It a Great Day movement was founded on this concept of how to start conversations that truly matter. Why? Because not talking about it is killing us. Now, you get a gift right up front. This is not a wait till the end and you're going to get your attendance gift. This is, I'm going to lay this on you right now. I want you to walk a path, your path, from beating yourself up to beating your own drum. That's the book that's going to come out this summer. Inside it is the know, like, and trust factor assessment, which is how to quickly go from beating yourself up to beating your own drum. And you get that right now. So here, if I get the tech to work, there you go. There's the website for you, www.youcantdoitwrong.com. And when somebody asked me how I got the chutzpah to be putting on a summit in this short period of time, from the time I got the idea till the time you're watching this, I said, I believe I can't do it wrong. And I also believe that conversation is the foundational skill that bonds families and builds communities. I believe that foundation of everything is our ability to have conversation. It's the conversations that we avoid that truly matter. And the silence is costing us. The silence is costing us in multiple ways. The first one is just in sheer numbers. Three, thousand a day. That's the startling statistic that started the Make It a Great Day movement. <sighs> Wasn't on my mind. I had no clue. But let me tell you a little bit about that number. 3,000 a day. That's the number of teens who attempt to take their own lives every day. And that's just teens, just in the U.S., and just the ones who don't die. That's a staggering number. As a matter of fact, when I heard that number, it kind of hijacked my brain. And so, yeah, I thank you. I'll, I'll take your chat. I really, really will, because this is critical to me that we get this 3,000 a day. All right, now, that's not the worst of it. That's bad enough. Here's the worst. Here's where it gets worse. According to the World Health Organization, almost 800,000 people took their own lives last year alone. 800,000. That's one every 40 seconds. Oh, and according to the World Health Organization, for every adult who takes their own life, another 20 attempt. Now we're one every two seconds. One every two seconds, people who have sold themselves on hopelessness, people who have sold themselves on helplessness. Unacceptable? It wasn't on my mind 24 years ago. 
24 years ago, I was busy, but then weren't we all? And yes, I'm going to do this in a conversational format. And I've got slides that, you know, with the statistics and with some other information that I'll get to. But I just want to talk to you about this. Because 24 years ago, I was busy. I was busy holding together the threads of my second marriage. I was busy keeping a roof, keeping my family together, a stable home environment for my teenage daughters. I was busy. I was busy shoring up the facade that we were normal, that life was predictable. And then my daughter tried to kill herself. My memory of that night is crystal clear. That night, I lay awake all night, staring into the ceiling, staring, yes, staring into the darkness in the direction of the ceiling, listening to my daughter breathe. We were on the futon in the living room because I couldn't risk being away from her. And between us, her handwritten note, her promise not to harm herself while I slept. Yeah, right, like I was gonna close my eyes that night. That night I spent all night staring into the darkness, listening to her breathe and wondering what happened. What's going to happen next? What made her do it? What happened next was counseling, interventions, more attempts, therapy, medications. And I was grateful. I was grateful every day that she was in counseling and therapy, every day that she was getting professional help. Why? Because it gave me permission to stay busy. Yeah, I convinced myself. I sold myself. Remember, I'm good at sales. Oh, you don't know. My kids were now high school, middle school. Since they were older, I had recently closed my home-based business and I'd gone back to work in sales. And I was really good at sales. I sold myself on the idea that as long as my daughter was getting professional help, we didn't have to talk about it. So we didn't, and we didn't for a long time. As a matter of fact, when she was finished with all of the professional interventions and we just went on with our lives, we had this unspoken agreement to just let the past be the past, to not bring it up. After all, why would you want to bring that back up again? I didn't know then that it's the conversations we avoid that truly matter. And there's a reason why I didn't want to bring it up. And it had nothing to do with putting the idea in her head. It had to do with the fact that I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know what could cause my daughter so much mental and emotional pain that she would think dying was better than living. I didn't want to know. But I had to learn the short list. You or your family might be at risk of suicide if someone in your family has something about them that's a little different, a disability, something that makes them different. That's risk factor number one. You or your family might be at risk for suicide if someone in your family has 
a major illness or they're dealing with chronic pain. Here's where it gets challenging right now. You or your family might be at risk for suicide if someone in your family has ongoing financial struggles. That's the third one. The fourth one, you or your family might be at risk for suicide if someone in your family has an addiction of any kind. We're not just talking about drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling. Those are the big four. But what about work? What about being right? What about an addiction to screens? What about anything that puts distance between you and other people? That's the definition of an addiction in my world. So it could be gaming, could be anything. If it puts distance, it's a risk factor. That's number four. Number five, you or your family might be at risk for suicide if someone in your family has been or is being bullied or abused. And I include in that, if you're being pressured to perform in an area that's not your gift, that you are not gifted in, that's number five. And as bad as all of those are, and as common as all of those are, it was the sixth one, the sixth one, this one. You or your family might be at risk of taking your own life if someone in your world has. If you know someone who has taken their own life, this puts you in a high risk group where you can see the problem between something that makes me different Chronic pain, major illness. Let's see, now I'm starting to add people up just in my immediate family. You add into that one ongoing financial struggles. Right now, it's not even that they have them, it's just that they're worried about them. That constant worry actually puts you at a higher risk. And then we get into addictions, bullying and abuse, and knowing someone who took their own life. And by the way, right now, we all know someone, thanks to media, we all know a gifted singer, a talented comedian, a celebrity chef. We all know someone. So according to the CDC, between those six risk factors and the kicker, not talking about it is another risk factor according to the Center for Disease Control. So if you want to know why we do what we do, why we talk about conversations that matter, it's because if we can start a conversation on this topic, we mitigate one of those risk factors just by starting it. Now, all of those others, those are things that just are. Yeah, we can be taught not to worry about money, but we might have ongoing financial struggles. We might have a chronic illness. We might have something that makes us different. These are systemic. It's not like they're gonna go away. So then the question becomes, what are you gonna do about it? But none of this was on my mind. For 24 years, I stayed busy. And you know, I might've stayed busy if it hadn't been for that statistic. Actually, that's not true. I might've stayed busy if it hadn't been for the fact that my daughter broke the silence. She broke the silence 
And you know, if it had happened any other way than the way that it happened, I probably could have found a way to ignore it. But she broke the silence in such a way that it opened the door to the closet where I had kept those memories, put a big bright light on what had grown there in the darkness. See, my daughter now 37 at the time, was writing a book. Well, she was writing a chapter for a book. As a matter of fact, she was writing a chapter for this book, Make It a Great Day, The Choice is Yours book, a book of inspirational stories for teens. And she had total writer's block, totally stuck. She was going to give a seven-minute talk at a public speaking event that was coming up, and she had this idea. She would give her talk and then get it transcribed, and that would be her chapter. Seemed like a good idea at the time. When she asked me what to talk about, I said, just tell one of your never quit stories. It doesn't matter which one, they're all good. You'll rock this. She rocked it all right. She rocked me. The morning of her talk, everything worked. The videographer was set, the PowerPoints worked, the morning session with all the entrepreneurs in the room, it just flowed. And then people were getting into that you know, nervous, excited state that you get into right before you give a talk. I was super proud of my daughter. She volunteered to go first. And I know it showed when I welcomed her to the front of the room to introduce her. Oh yeah, I was the host of the event and I had no idea what was coming. She started her seven-minute talk with that startling statistic of 3,000 a day. And I went, oh, what? I had no idea the number was that high. And then she said, she still struggled. She still struggled with suicidal thoughts. She manages to find joy every day, but she still struggles. And I'm in the back of the room going, how the hell could I have not known this? What just happened? I got saved because she ended her talk with wanting to put together a program for teens to help them find joy every day, to help them learn the coping skills that she's learned along the way. And while everybody else gave her a standing ovation and rushed up and hugged her and thanked her for being so vulnerable, I was in the back of the room taking three very deep, very slow breaths. And by the time everyone else was reseated, I had a plan. I came back to the front of the room. I had a plan. I had it all together. I was going to help. We'd create a program. We'd take that book and we'd turn it from just being inspirational stories. We'd turn it into a tool that would help teens break the silence and start the conversation. We could get it done. And as important as helping them break the silence, helping them learn the skills that they need before they need them, as important as all of those things are, they were just an excuse. They were just a way for me to stay busy and avoid the conversation with my daughter. You remember the conversation? You know, the conversation that we used to have with our teens was about sex. And then the conversation that we needed to have with our teens 
was about drugs and alcohol. Well, I believe that the conversation we must have with our children today is about suicide because the silence is killing us and it's the conversations we avoid that truly matter. Now I'm going to take you on a little journey with me. The journey is what happened next because the book got published. The course got started designing. We actually started getting some attention and I got asked to give a talk on this topic. I got asked to give a talk on a TEDx stage. As a speaker, this was something I had aspired to my entire speaking career. But there was a catch. I got asked to give a talk on how to end the teen suicide epidemic. And I thought, wow, not a topic I ever thought I would talk about. So I'll write a talk. Now, I'm good at making up programs. I'm good at creating the step-by-steps that can make changes in people's brains because that's what I do. And so I created a talk and I got a lot of really positive feedback. Every time I practiced it, every time I posted a video of it in our TEDx group, got amazing feedback from everybody except one person, my TEDx coach who called me up and called me out. And he called me out on being tactical and strategic and not vulnerable in my talk. And that, then he told me I had a chance to do something significant on this topic if I was willing to be vulnerable. Well, significance sounded pretty good. So I rewrote my talk. I realized I couldn't give it. I couldn't stand up and give this talk about conversations that truly matter when I was still avoiding the conversation with my daughter. So I had the conversation and you know what I found out? I found out that people who attempt to take their own lives don't always know why. It was a surprise. It doesn't have to be because something happened It's not that their lives are so terrible. It is just that at that moment, it seems like the best idea at the time. That is the only why that matters is that in that moment, when there's no one around and the only thing they've got is the echoes in their own mind, in that moment, dying seems better than living. And so they try to die. And here's the real challenge we have in our world right now. We think that you can tell in advance. There's a whole checklist over at the Center for Disease Control of the signs that someone you care about might be considering suicide. And I'm gonna tell you two problems with this. The first one is that who would ever go there and look at that if they didn't already know their child was at risk or if they didn't feel like they were at risk? If you know you're at risk, it's a different conversation. Otherwise, that information is useless because we only find it after the fact. And here's the fact. We're seeing more and more that the first sign that someone's in trouble 
at risk for suicide is an attempt and they don't all survive. So I've got a different idea for you. I've got a different strategy. Let's have a conversation that matters. But there's a problem with that too. How do you know who to talk to? How do you know what to say? How do you know what to do next? Those three hows stop people from talking. And so we're gonna bust all three of them. We're all at risk. You talk with anybody you feel called to talk to. What do you say? How do you get the conversation started? I'm gonna give you the six steps to do this conversation that matters in a way that honors everyone and keeps you safe. And what do you do next? Got you covered there too. And for this, I will pull up the slides, but let me get them to the right slide because I have skipped over a bunch of stuff and I don't want to confuse you. All right, here we go. These are the right slides. Let me come back here to, where do I do this? All right, tech is not my friend today. So we're gonna not even try. We're just gonna click on this and we're gonna hope for the best. Here we go, share the screen. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, we'll pivot because we know how to pivot. There we go, it did not give me what I wanted. So we'll just scroll through this way, there we go. Can you see that now? Good, because this is how you do it. The first step to having a conversation that matters is you have to be willing, here you go, to stop being busy. Yeah, you heard me. You have to be willing to stop being busy, please. And yeah, I went through all that with the tech just to put that up so you could see it. Stop being busy. Make time for this. The second step is to listen. Simply listen without problem solving, without trying to fix anything, without strategizing, just listen to whatever they wanna talk about. You just invite them into a conversation by breaking the ice. Ask them what's up, ask them what's new, ask them what's the best thing that's happened to you today. Ask them one of the questions from Anil's list that people this morning got as their gift. You know, ask an open question. That's all you have to do and then listen to whatever they tell you. The second, that was the second, the third step, okay? The first one is stop being busy. The second one is listen without judgment. The third step in the conversation is to introduce the topic, to just ask if they've heard. Have you heard about the rising rates of teen suicide? If you're talking to a teen. Have you heard about the rising rates of senior suicide? If you're talking to a senior. Have you heard, if your issue is that you think there's a problem, they're gonna get injured in the sport that they're doing or the, you know, they're a rally car driver, you know, have you heard about the rise in brain injuries from football? You, know, you just bring up the topic to find out if it, they've even heard about it or if it's on their mind. And whether they talk a long time or a short time, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you go on to the next question. The fourth question, do they have a friend story? 
and you ask it in neutral language. Do you have a friend who's tried or died? Oh yeah, I go there. Do they have a friend who's tried or died? Neutral language is important here because you're gonna be maybe holding your breath. <sighs> so at least taking a deep breath because again, you wanna listen without judgment, without problem solving, without trying to change anything that they're experiencing or expressing. And by the way, if you've got a team, the answer is probably yes. I'm about 95% certain they have a friend who's tried or died. You just may not know it. Why am I so certain? Because I went into a local high school with the Make It a Great Day book project. And after I told them about the story, how this got started, what we were trying to do, I went around the room and I just said, do you have a story? Do you have a friend who's tried or died? And one after the other one after the other. I was so caught up in the stories, the young woman who said, I lost my first friend in elementary school, not to a car accident, to suicide, not to an illness, to suicide. She lost her second friend last year. She was a sophomore. They went around the room. When I left that day, I got to my car and I cried. It wasn't some of the kids. It wasn't most of the kids. It was 100% of the kids in the room had a story. They had a friend's story, a friend who had tried or died. So just be prepared to listen without judgment, without trying to change what they're doing, what they're experiencing when they tell you, because they might just tell you, mom, it's a thing. Yeah. Teens are becoming very much immune to it and resistant to the conversation because they don't know that not talking about it puts them at risk. Or actually, maybe it's because they do know. And this is how you find out. You ask the next question. The fifth question, also neutral language. This is key because you're going to ask them if they have a story. And you ask it this way. Have you ever thought of leaving that way. Neutral language matters here. You're not asking if you thought of hurting yourself. You're not asking if you thought of killing yourself. You're not asking if you thought of taking your own life. You're not asking if you thought of taking, of committing suicide. You're not asking any of that. Why? Because that's going to trigger a lot of emotion in you that's going to prevent you from being present. Keep the language neutral. Have you thought of leaving that way? And this is where you might need to hold your breath to hold your tongue or bite your tongue. That works too, because you want to listen. Give them as much space as they need. Remember I said, you got to stop being busy here. There is no time clock on this conversation. Listen. And then ask the next question. The fifth question is, do they have a story? The sixth question is, do they have reasons to stay? Again, it's neutral language and you might get some interesting answers. It's a lot of fun when you can get people to start talking about their reasons for living, but you don't ask it that way, okay? I'm bringing this up because you're gonna wanna say, do you have reasons for living? And that's not a neutral question. 
It'll get you a different set of answers. Ask if they have reasons to stay. Why? Because if they don't have any reasons, they can give you reasons for living. That uses a different part of the brain. Yeah, they know all the reasons for living. Trust me, teenagers, they know everything. When you ask if they have reasons for staying, now it's personal. And listen, you might be surprised at what's important to them. And here's what's important to me. If they don't have any reasons for staying, that's just a fact. It's an observable phenomenon. Here's the deal. If they don't have reasons for staying and they have a story they've thought of leaving, that's intervention time. And I'm going to show you how to intervene right now. I'm going to share my screen again because this is too important not to show. These are the six questions and I'll come back to them. But if they don't have reasons to stay and they've thought about leaving, don't wait. If you're in North America, this is the number for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. 1-800-273-8255. Save it in your phone under help. That's how I do because help is easier and faster to spell. Just save this number. It's really important. So here's the six questions. First, for six steps, because the first one is you gotta be willing to stop being busy. You've gotta be willing to listen to whatever they wanna talk about when you ask them what's up, what's new, what's the best thing that's happened to you today. And then you ask if they've heard. In my case, it's ask if they've heard about the rising tide of teen suicide. Ask if they have a friend story. Do you have a friend who's tried or died? And then ask if they have a story. Have you thought of leaving that way? And then ask if they have reasons to stay. And again, five and six. F6, they have no reasons to stay, is paired with five, they have a story. Intervene, don't wait, call 800-273. 8255. Why? Because teens are just like us. It's easier sometimes to talk to a stranger than it is to talk to someone who might know the possible players in our pain. So don't wait, call. And by the way, you can text to this number. So we have a vision and I'm going to invite you into this conversation. So thank you, Brenda. And the next conversation is that I cannot see my screen anymore. There we go. Here we go. It's an imagined conversation. Why? Because when you get through the end of this conversation, if you're not in intervention, you're going to invite them to imagine. Imagine what life will be like when they're no longer challenged by whatever it was that came under the heading of in the way. Imagine what life will be like. Use their answers to do you have reasons to stay, to help them create a vision of compelling vision for them for their life. This is how you make them suicide proof. This is how you make yourself suicide proof. Imagine more of the reasons for staying. Create a compelling vision. And then we're going to get into our vision. And I popped that up too soon. So I'm going to bring you back to imagine. Imagine this, because this is our world. Imagine a time when unhappy never slides to unmotivated, 
when unmotivated never slides to helpless and helpless never slides to hopeless. Imagine a time where self-awareness, self-direction, self-education, self-acceptance are the norm and suicide is a thing of the past. Imagine a time when you were surrounded by people who believed in you even more than you believed in yourself. That's the journey we're on. We're on a journey to create an army of advocates. Why an army? Because I believe we're engaged in the suicide wars. War with three A's. We are all at risk. This is where we are. This is our reality. And I believe that to win this war, we're going to need an army, not of soldiers, but of advocates. Advocates are people who never quit on you. Advocates are people who never give up on themselves. Imagine every aspect of your life. What would your life be like if you had an advocate? What would your life be like if you were an advocate for the people you're around, if you were an advocate for the organization you worked for? What would your life be like? if you were surrounded and you were one of a group of advocates. That's what we want for everyone. And that's the program that came out of that seven minute talk. Seven minutes can change the world and it can launch a mission. And here's what seven minutes can do. It can generate a six module course a six module course that makes it easy to boldly start the conversations that matter and that can save lives. No matter what your vehicle is, no matter what you see as the problem, the change that you want to see in the world, having the conversations that matter on that topic is as simple as these six modules. We start with relax. We start with that idea of you can't do it wrong. Relax. We got you here. Take a deep breath. Matter of fact, take a deep breath and let it out. And then we deep dive into what listening really can become. As a matter of fact, there's a group going through the live training. And yes, this is taught live. There's a group going through the live online training. And this coming week, we're deep diving into listening. We're deep diving into practicing conversations that matter. Why? Because this is a new skill. You want to practice it. I mean, you didn't just get up off the floor and walk one day. You didn't get behind the wheel of a car or knowing how to drive. You needed to practice those skills. Listening is just like that. Once you practice it, it becomes as unconscious as what walking is for you today, what driving is for most of us today. So we get listening powerful ways just to that level. And then we go into how do you use that to serve yourself first and then others? Why? Because you've got to be a better advocate for yourself before you can ever be trusted to be an advocate for another person. And it is the trust factor that's important. You can know people and you can like people, but if you don't trust people, you're not gonna be able to actually do something with them, including have a conversation that matters. And most of us might know ourselves, might like ourselves, 
but we might never have questioned whether or not we trust ourselves. And so we go through that so you can serve yourself. And then we start getting into action. And action can take a lot of different forms, but there are certain actions that we know are gonna get results as far as strengthening your community, as far as creating a community. This is about tribe building. Why? Because when we are in a community, we are safer than when we feel excluded from a community. Remember that distancing thing. This is about the actions that pull people towards you that create a tribe. And then we get into creation. And we create not just our communities and our tribes, but we create the visions for ourselves, the components of what makes a compelling vision. We create personal mission statements here. Why? Because when you know what your mission is, when you know what your purpose is for living, we don't have to worry about you ever thinking that dying is a better option. Living will always be the better option when you know you're on purpose, when you know you have a mission here. And then we teach how to share it. How do you share your story in a way that people want to hear it? How do you create that environment where people know, like, and trust you enough to listen to you? Something important, and that's why we spend so much time on it. This is who advocates are. Part of the Make It A Great Day movement is becoming an advocate, and advocatesare.com is where you're gonna find the information on it. This is an important conversation because we need you more than you know. This is an important conversation because what would your life be like if you knew somebody was never gonna quit on you, that you were never gonna give up on yourself or anyone else? Now, the elephant in the room, what does it cost? I'm gonna tell you the truth. I had a whole set of slides and I just couldn't bring them into the conversation. The whole set of slides was about all the components and all the different things that are valuable in it and what the values are. And I just couldn't bring myself to go there because this conversation is too important for that. So what I did do was I created one slide. All right, and, and you got questions, you can pop them into the chat because, they, oh, I see you're putting the questions up. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. The total value of the program is over $7,000. And I normally, because it has all the components, not only is it six weeks of online live training, it's all the recordings of those trainings. It's all of the interaction in an environment where you get to practice being an advocate, where you get feedback on your homework. It's also another program on self-sabotage on self and how to succeed in the midst of self-sabotage. So it has a lot of components to it, including templates and scripts and support. And it's $97. And it's $97 so that you have enough skin in the game that you're gonna show up for class. I'm gonna name the elephant in the room. I know how the brain works. You need something to help you be motivated. And because we need you more than you know, I don't want you just to pay $97 and walk away. I want you to be showing up for class. I want you to become the advocate for yourself that you could be. And that's why it's $97. So advocatesare.com 
is the website where you can find the rest of the information. I left something out and I'm not even sure how to express it. And so I'm just gonna try to figure out what it is that you need to know about being a Make It A Great Day advocate. And I really can't think of what it is. So if I left something out, if I've left you hanging somewhere, please put it in the chat. Please ask the question. See, I know that our teens are at risk. I know that 3,000 teens attempting to take their own lives is over a million a year. Oh, by the way, it took me six months before I would do the math. I know what those numbers are, but here's my number. My number is 100,000. Why 100,000? Because 100,000 will tip the scale. I want 100,000 advocates trained this year. I want 100,000 people who know how to boldly start a conversation that matters. Why? Because if you can positively impact 1,000 people, that's not a lot. In the rest of your life, if you positively impact 1,000 people, multiply that by 100,000 advocates, we're going to tip the scales. We're going to get ahead of the wave. We need you more than you know. We need you to stay. We need you to be your own advocate for staying. We need you to be your own advocate for living. Here's why. All of those numbers I gave you were pre-COVID. They were pre-isolation. They were pre-keep everybody else alive by putting yourself into isolation. What are we seeing? People are dying because suicide is a lonely experience. Suicide happens in isolation. And we're being asked to isolate to save our own lives and others. There's some irony here. Being an advocate can pull you in the direction of positivity, can give you the push to positively impact more people, can give you the momentum, the motivation to be reaching out to people, to be breaking the isolation of you and others. That's the power of advocacy. And that's why I made this invitation today. So please join us and become a better advocate for yourself and for others. Please grab the book, the assessment, the know, like, and trust factor assessment. And it's at youcantdoitwrong.com. And I am a firm believer that you cannot do it wrong. This is life. And life is meant to be embraced. And life is meant to be supported. So we're inviting you to come and be part of the community. And for those of you who have already joined the community, I want to just say thank you. Thank you for being willing to stand up and speak out. And that's what I forgot. I knew I forgot something. Included in the Advocates Training Program is a ticket to our three-day event that we are now doing virtually. And our next event is coming up, and it is coming up in July, July 24th, 25th, and 26th. And at this three-day event, you get to build out more of your stories you get to develop and deliver a seven minute talk that we know can launch a mission, we know can change the world. You get to create the language, the words that could come out of your mouth that would help other people get 
that you might have the solution that they're looking for. Whether their challenge is chronic pain, their challenge is poor nutrition and lack of energy, whatever their challenge is, wouldn't it be nice to have a message that when someone says, what do you do? You could tell them not only what you do, but why it matters in a way that was clear, concise, and compelling. And so that's included in the advocate's training. Why? Because it's easier to be an advocate if they know you are one. They know that you're there. It's easier for you to solve their problem. It's easier for them to hire you if they know you're there. So the whole program, all six online modules, all the recordings, all the support, and the three-day event are at advocatesare.com. And I certainly hope you will join us there and take that path, walk your path from beating yourself up to beating your own drum so that you're a better advocate for yourself and then we'll help you become a better advocate for others. That's our job. Thank you. I'll see you in class.